So I don't know how you all feel about traveling, but any time that I have to go anywhere, if it's a if it's a trip where I've got to go to the airport uh, or something like that, of course, the longer the trip, the more that's going on, uh, the more it seems like that can possibly go wrong. Uh, and uh, even even just a drive two and a half hours up the road, like I had to undertake on uh, the, this past Monday morning. Uh, I think about traffic, I think about uh, the, the car breaking down, I think about the number of things that can possibly go wrong, and thinking about, well, I, I always want to allow a buffer for time and for the people that know me well, and some like to give me even a bit of a hard time about it, that uh, that buffer disappears and I'm usually leaving just in the nick of time. And so that's just how I roll. I no matter how much I try to overcome that or avoid that, that just seems how it works out. And so, because uh, I like I like to put myself in a position where I don't have to drive fast or you know faster than I need to. But there I was, a beautiful, beautiful like today, a beautiful sunny day, Monday morning, and I'm heading to get my taxes done. So yeah, that's part of what I prayed about Sunday night. Lord, let it be bearable, because last year about felt like last year was was bad news, and so. <laughs> And so, uh, praying about uh, about the day and just safe travel and everything to go well. And uh, was on I-65 in Williamson County. And then there goes a police car. Ooh. Must have been doing about 110 up I-65. And I thought, we're in Williamson County. That was a metro car. That's weird. And then got a little further, probably around Brentwood, and there goes another one, just absolutely flying. And I thought, something's happened. It wasn't just a minute or so later, and I'm listening to sports talk radio out of Nashville, and they break in to talk about the school shooting at Covenant School. And I'm just thinking about the week that was. You know, last week, as I stood before you all, we were finishing a four-part series on how Jesus himself used Scripture. And we talked about lament. And I never would have imagined the opportunities we would have had this week to lament. The police in Nashville identified the six victims as Evelyn Dykehouse, Hallie Scruggs, and William Kinney, all age nine. Cynthia Peake, 61, a substitute teacher. Mike Hill, 61, a custodian. And Catherine Kuntz, age 60. She was the head of the school. Six people lose their lives. But it especially bothers us, doesn't it, church? When it's nine-year-olds, right? I mean, not to discount the lives of those folks that are age 60 and 61. Because they still had plenty of life to live. That was someone's parent, grandparent, 
brother, sister, dear friend, fellow church member perhaps. But nine-year-old children, then it's one of those times that we say, Maranatha. It's an Aramaic term that's only used once in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians 16. And it means, come Lord, often translated as, come Lord, quickly. Quickly, Lord, come. I'm not sure that I've ever mentioned it in a message, but I, I looked it up in my computer to see if I ever used this before. And it was Father's Day of last year, an article that I wrote about my own dad. And that when I learned to say, come Lord, like, Lord, okay, now I'm ready. Come on. was when he died. The grandparents I'd lost, the great aunts, the great uncles, a favorite uncle of mine who died in a car accident. He was only 42 at the time, I think. I was in the fourth grade. But when it was my dad, that's why I said, okay, now heaven makes sense to me. Now, something better than this makes sense to me. Come, Lord. Come on. Psalm 34, 18, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And then on Tuesday... A dear, hard-working family in this church got some bad news. Diagnosis that some of us knew might be a possibility. And it was as bad as we had feared. Our brother Billy Don. The surgeon went in to remove what we thought was just a bad gallbladder. In and out. 30 to 60 minute surgery. A lot of you have had it done outpatient. And then he came in that room and said, Man, the gallbladder's not the problem. There's another problem. And so that giant of a man that has not manned his post out of that lobby for the last month. (laughs) Came on Wednesday and departed this life on Friday. And yes, I know he's in a better place, isn't he? I know he is. But it doesn't change the fact that he's not here. He's not sitting right there. That good-looking head of silver hair. (laughs) That good-looking silver mustache. He's not where he's supposed to be in my mind. But in reality, isn't he exactly where he's supposed to be? Amen? Oh, 
but it makes me say, Maranatha, come Lord, come Lord. Psalm 147.3, He heals the broken parted and binds up their wounds. And then the news that came from just not far away from us. Uh, I think it was on Friday afternoon and, and I said to Stacy, I said, that happened this week? How did I not hear about that? According to the Washington Post, the Army on Friday released the identities of nine U.S. soldiers killed in a crash of two Black Hawk helicopters in southwestern Kentucky, the military's deadliest training accident in nearly three years. The victims ranged in age from 23 to 36. They included four Afghanistan war veterans, several medical professionals, and four pilots, two of whom completed training last year. Warrant Officer 1, Jeffrey Barnes, Corporal Emil Marie Eve Bolanos. Chief Warrant Officer 2, Zachary Espraza. Sergeant Isaac John Gallo. Staff Sergeant Joshua C. Gore, Warrant Officer 1 Aaron Healy, Staff Sergeant Taylor Mitchell, Chief Warrant Officer 2 Rustin Smith, and Sergeant David Salinas. Psalm 73, 26, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Then reading in the Tennessean that an article about one of those service members whose wife was three months pregnant with their first child. Now, if you're like me, I didn't know personally any of those folks in Nashville. I don't know personally any of these folks who gave their life. But at a time when our service members are not actively serving in harm's way, not actively in a theater of operations somewhere halfway across the world where the bullets are flying and the shells are exploding, it's just a reminder of this broken, this fallen world, isn't it, church? And so, to that we say, come Lord, please come. And then we spent a portion of Friday evening, I don't know where the term hunkered down originated, but we all know what it means, right? Whether you're in a basement or a hallway or some interior space. It's one thing when you hear about it going on somewhere else. You might express concern. But then when you're tracking that tornado that started in West Tennessee and then stayed on the ground and then it starts entering counties that are neighboring to yours. 
And then there they are on News Channel 5 saying, okay, it's in Lewis County. And then you're wondering, am I in the path? Who do I know that's in the path? What kind of damage is going to be done? Communities in at least six states on Saturday began assessing destruction left by a powerful storm system on Friday that spawned ferocious tornadoes, killing at least 21 people and causing a roof at a packed venue in Illinois to collapse. The second such deadly outbreak of severe weather in the region in a week. Fatalities were reported in Alabama, Arkansas, Illinois, Indiana, Mississippi, and Tennessee. The authorities said on Saturday with Tennessee accounting for seven deaths. Officials said five people died in Arkansas, including an unidentified man in North Little Rock, and four in the town of Wynn, about 100 miles to the east, in separate tornadoes. Can't tell you how many times when my son was in school at Harding, I passed through Wynn, Arkansas. Wynn stood out, right, Scotty? Because it was, it was the prettiest part of that drive, right? <laughs> that stretch of US 64. And Scotty knows because his brother went to school at Harding. And he's made that drive numerous times. And I'm sure anybody that's ever been on I-40 between Memphis and Little Rock knows where Wynn is. It's nestled right between US 64 and Interstate 40. And uh, it's, it's a lot of flat country. But then you get right before you get to Wynn, it actually starts to look pretty in that section of, of Arkansas. But then seeing the footage on the news of what that town looks like now, listening to the mayor as she describes that our town was literally torn in half, separated from one side to the other by this massive tornado that came through there. And so to think now that there are almost two dozen families that no longer have someone that they love dearly. Revelation 21.4 He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And so... We gather on Palm Sunday, and about 9 o'clock last night, I scrapped everything that I had planned to do for today, because it just didn't feel right. In Matthew 4, we read, beginning with verse 23... Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases. Those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed. And he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. 
Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And I pray that those who are mourning near and far are comforted. But what do we see from Jesus in that section of Scripture? And we stop there just as he was beginning to teach them that section that we know is the Beatitudes. All we see is someone who had compassion on them. Someone who saw that they needed him. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Why, church? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Now, if you say, okay, so we go through bad stuff so that we can comfort other people who go through bad stuff. And I realize, if you just take that right there, then it rings kind of hollow. I do understand that. I get that. But when we think about the beginning of the story, that God created this world, that He spoke it into existence, that He populated it with all those animals, all those birds, all those fish, And then his crowning achievement at the end of the creation was the human creature. The only thing that he created in his own likeness. And then said to the human creature, okay, you're in charge of this. You are caretakers of this. You are an extension of my work. And so then there the humans are, stewards of God's creation. And then, boy, we get to Genesis 3. Not far into the book, do we, church? And that's where it all begins to unravel. Because God gave humans freedom of choice. This book right here tells us that anyone who says that they're without sin is what, church? A liar. Yeah. Wasn't that many weeks ago we looked at a little bit of the Sermon on the Mount and how Jesus was taking that was taking those laws from Exodus twenty. Part of what we know is the Ten Commandments. And saying, okay, don't think that you're not implicated because you've never killed anybody. Because even if you've thought ill of someone, it's the same as. And he takes those well-known rules, those commandments, and tells us all 
that, okay, none of us is innocent. We're all guilty of something on some level. And so, from that time forward, it's not the world that God intended for us. And so then God gave us a way back to Him in the person of Jesus Christ. We looked last week briefly at, as Jesus quotes on the cross the first verse of Psalm 22 where He says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it's one of those times where we're reminded of the humanity of Jesus. Just like when he's praying in the garden and he says, if this cup can pass from me. Like, okay, I, I know what I came here to do and the hour is here. We're really, it, it's close. It's upon us. If there's another way, if there's another way, let's do that way. But then what does he say? But not my will, but your will. And that's the prayer we're supposed to pray, right? Not my will, but your will. But then the things that he allows to happen, those can be troubling. Whether it's people we love and hold dear, people we're going to miss. Whether it's the father serving his country, looking forward to that first child. A marriage was about to become a family in six months. Or whether it's little nine-year-olds that their parents have to bury. Not because of anything that makes sense but because of something that is senseless. Senseless acts of violence. If we want to know how God feels about violence, go back and read those early chapters of Genesis. Read Genesis 4. Read Genesis 6. It was a world run amok with violence that caused God to cast judgment the first go-around and said, I'm going to wipe it clean. I'm going to send the flood. We're going to start over. We're going to reboot this thing. Because God, as loving as He is, is that righteous judge. But He loved us enough that He gave us a way back to Him in Christ Jesus. For God so loved the world, right church? That He gave His one and only Son. So that no one would perish, but have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then we read on that says that Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to what church? to save the world. Praise God that He did. And then He promised that He's going to come back. And weeks like this, I say, 
okay, I can forego whatever football seasons and hockey seasons and March Madness and whatever celebrations of life and celebrations of marriage and laughs that are to come, I can forgo all that on this side of glory to be with Him for all eternity. And so I say, Maranatha, come Lord, come on, come on. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Because we have what, church? We have hope. And not a hope that we often use hope today. It's that archaic definition of hope that says an expectation and why? Why? What gives us the right to expect hope? To expect eternity with God? Because God keeps His promises. As we conclude our time together this morning, we look at another passage of Scripture that's very similar to the end of Matthew 4 as we look at the end of Matthew 9 beginning with verse 35 Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And so that's where I leave it with us today, church. On a day when, yes, I've reminded you of what's going on in the world because I just felt like it was a disservice not to address it this morning I thought seriously about just not even mentioning any of it let's just come in here and let what goes on in these walls be an escape from the world but that's not honesty that's not reality and that's not our calling as children of God And so, what is our challenge? Our challenge is to answer this call that says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so, the Lord is relying on us. He's calling us to be light in a world full of darkness. That when people are grieving nine-year-old children or would-be fathers, when people are grieving the loss of property and life because of natural disasters, that we are the people there among them who say, praise God that we have hope. Praise God that He gave us Jesus. Jesus.
praise God that there's going to come a day when He is going to wipe away every tear. Not some of the tears. He's going to wipe all of them. Every single one of them. No more crying, no more pain, no more sorrow. And so for that we can say, Maranatha, come Lord, come on. Why does he wait? Because he wants to give everybody a chance to come to him. And so in the meantime, we are to be the light. We are to be people who let our light shine before others. To let our light shine in the workplace. To be the calming voice when things are not going so well. To let our light shine in our neighborhoods. When we see our neighbors, when we're out on the street getting the mail. When we're out on the street to pull in our trash cans and we see our neighbors and we strike up that conversation. Better yet, when we go over to check on them, see if they're okay, how they're doing. Haven't talked in a while. And then we take the time to listen to what they have to say. And then we take the time to let our light shine before them. That we take a moment to speak love and light and grace into their life just by our caring, just by our presence. And yes, that at some point we invoke the name of Jesus, that we are not ashamed of the gospel. And that we invoke the name of Jesus and say, you know, boy, when when it's tough for me, that's when I lean all the closer to my Lord. And He's never let me down. Romans 8 tells us that nothing separates from the love of Christ. Let's go out into the world this week, church as people who are confident that nothing separates us from the love of Christ. And that the biggest pain, the worst sorrow, the greatest evil or injustice the world has ever known is no match for the love of Jesus that is flowing through us. And so, as we close out our time together today, as we always do, we offer an invitation. And so, if you'd like to talk to us about baptism, if you would like to come before us because you have something weighing on you that you would like us to pray with you about, then we offer the invitation. Let's stand together and sing this song. I am not